0: Now is the time we bring you the virtual stage of our Achieving Optimal Health Conference at Georgetown University. To experience this talk with all the videos, slides, and graphics, go to bbrconsulting.us and click on conference. One more time, visit bbrconsulting.us. Thanks for staying curious and for living your best life with us. The way we take care of ourselves is ever evolving. And what we know for sure is that our mind and spirit are linked to our physical body. And that our wellness seems to extend into our communities and the planet we all share. It is very, very clear that wellness is interconnected. We love spending time with you to explore and practice the breakthroughs, the insights, and the passions of incredible people, helping us all see the world in a whole new light. This is HealthGig.
1: Dora and I are so excited for today's episode of HealthGig. We are welcoming Chef Nick Marcasano, and we are particularly excited for all of you to meet him because he is our partner, our chef for our wellness retreat in November, November 5th at Gasparilla. And we hope all of you will join us there and enjoy this conversation that we have with Chef Nick. He is a wonderful, wonderful chef and an
0: even better partner. Welcome, Chef. Glad to be here. We're so excited to have you as a guest today for so many reasons, and we're going to talk about that as we get into the podcast, but we want to begin by asking you a little bit about you, about your family, and then how you found your way to the Gasparilla Inn.
2: I started cooking at um, a super young age. I grew up in a primarily Italian household, you know, all the way down to my grandmother lived with us for a good bit. So there was a lot of cooking that was done at home. I grew up on the outside of DC in in Prince George's County. Um, My father was part of a local parish that was associated with the elementary school that I went to. And they had a few fundraising events every year. You know, they obviously had a crab feast being in Maryland and they had Uh, spaghetti dinner. And there just happened to be a little collection of other Italian families that we went to school with, we vacationed with, you know, and we were pretty tight knit. I think that when I look at where I started cooking and why I cooked for a living, I think it's pretty pointed at Those events and all of the family recipes that were shared amongst families and coming together to cook and, you know, people stirring red sauce for three days straight, making a mess in a parish basement kitchen. From there, you know, I started washing dishes at a younger age. I went from kind of bouncing around some Capitol Hill catering stuff to going to college in Charlotte, North Carolina. I went to Johnson & Wales University for four years. I did the first two years as a associate of science, and then I finished up the bachelor's with hospitality management with minor in wellness and sustainability.
1: Which is incredible. Yes.
2: Even then, wellness and sustainability was on the forefront of a lot of people's minds. It was really becoming relevant as we saw a big shift from very large macro producers to very small local producers, you know, smaller community gardens and smaller produce sections. And, you know, we kind of went into, well, why don't we have a, a program that's kind of catered to that at Johnson & Wales being a leading culinary university? We pioneered the program. We were the first class to graduate with it. And there was a lot of stuff that kind of came with that. We started that little, if you've been to Charlotte, uh, we started a little co-op garden that's you know right there next to the university campus. We kind of did a lot of stages or kind of long-term visits to some of the local wolf programs and some of the farms that were neighboring Asheville and North Carolina and all those great places. I've spent a lot of my career in the South, so North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, now and then a little bit of Louisiana. The South for me is a very opulent area, and I think that that's where you know we learned really well how to purchase appropriately and purchase leading towards wellness and sustainability and getting a tomato that's grown right next to you versus something that's been shipped across the country in a truck. When I was in Charlotte, I worked at Charlotte Country Club for a little bit. I was there for about two years. Uh, left there to go to Kiowa Island as a sous chef at the Atlantic Room on the Ocean Course, so all the way at the very south tip of that island. I went there to open the Dewberry Hotel in the center of downtown Charleston as their executive sous chef. From there, I went to open a Kenton Hotel in Charlotte, back to Charlotte as an executive sous chef. I did a little bit of work for some friends in New Orleans as they were kind of redesigning and refabbing a restaurant just to take a little bit of a break because opening hotels
1: is a lot of work, yeah. Pretty tough. When did you do the Masters and the Superstar stuff?
2: Yeah, so I started working the Masters tournament in 2011 as they were getting ready to open Berkman's Place. And Berkman's Place is, I think back then it was a better kept secret and everybody knows what it is now, I think. And it's... This premier sporting complex that's on the campus that's only open during the master's tournament. It's essentially six restaurants. Each restaurant will serve around 800, 900 people a day, breakfast and lunch and like an afternoon snack. There was a certified master chef that built and designed that building. And I think I started working when I was 19 years old. I liked going down for the 10 days. And, you know, you work from pretty early in the morning till pretty late at night
1: are you serving like who are those 800 900 just people that are coming down so
2: bookman's place i'm pretty sure that it's
1: an invite only facility or it's like an
2: extra ticket package but most of the people of that building are you know we were serving a lot of the golfers friends and family and a lot of the associated press it's a good little collection of people
1: that's amazing and then were you a chef for ed sheeran
2: I always like to preface this because I've done a lot of other more challenging things. But yet, yeah.
1: yeah. We'll get back to this other <laughs> stuff, but that that must have been fun. No, because...
2: what, no I I worked for Ed Sheeran on the entirety of the Divide World tour, Europe and the United States and Europe over the course of 3 years. I was doing 6 months during that and then the other 6 months of the year I was at Augusta National full time.
0: Is he nice? He's very <laughs> nice.
2: He just had his last show. And then I think he's going to go back and make up a Las Vegas show, for what I understand.
0: Oh, I want to see that.
2: On the tour now, we actually just stopped by staying with us at our house for a couple of days because he finally got done.
0: Oh, so fun.
1: Did you ever think like this career in culinary would ever take you to the places that it's taken you?
2: Oh, you no. Know, and I'm always very reflective and thankful and blessed. And I surrounded myself with just really good people that helped grow and move my career and into the places. And then after Ed Sheeran, we were at the Broadmoor.
1: I love the Broadmoor.
2: We left the Broadmoor to come down here to the Gas Villa
1: Inn. Yeah, which is where we get to be with you and partner with you. Again, this idea that you are coming, a new generation, it sounds like, of chefs that are coming in with this eye to sustainability and wellness. And you're bringing a lot of that to our conference in November. So can you talk a little bit about what you thought we should look at or eat and appreciate when we're at our conference?
2: I think that the toughest and largest responsibility of a chef right now, or at least what I focus on and I think what sets me apart, is procurement and where you buy from. And I think that the Broadmoor really spoiled us because we did have this ability to work with the best products constantly and say it being on tour and obviously it's harder To maintain that kind of purchasing ability everywhere you go, because you move to a new spot, you have to find exactly what the closest and best products are. And so we try our best here at the Gasperland to order within this region. And I try my best to not go any further west than Louisiana or any further north than North Carolina. And obviously it takes a lot more work to purchase that way. It's a lot more people to talk to than it would be, you know, I think it's much easier to talk to one or two preparers who have everything than 36 people that have all the different little things that you want. So it's a little bit challenging there. As far as your event goes... That's where we wanted to make sure that we were using the best and the freshest and the closest of everything that we could possibly find. And then on top of that, you know, kind of going into things that are easily digestible and, you know, nothing's inherently heavy. You should be able to come down here and go to the pool and go to the beach and not feel weighed down by lunch or dinner.
0: What are some of the things that you're going to fix for our guests
2: It starts with your registration where we kind of have this idea to go through and build this really large Mediterranean or Meze board. But we've kind of listed out everything from regular hummus, edamame hummus, the baba ghanoush, the muhammara. You know, we have some really nice fresh goat feta that we use down here on a regular basis and just kind of building a really large, like super extravagant display for people to see when they walk in as like an entry to the weekend. It's gonna be really fun. The Monday night dinner bouquet, we've kind of leaned on kind of more worldly cuisines that lend itself to lighter and vegetable-based cooking. So that one's going to be more of a dine-around where there's a lot of action going on. There's a lot of chefs cooking. There's a lot of stuff to see and do. But we have a curry station where we're going to have three curries that are kind of traditionally uh, rolling. We're going to do those in some painted cast iron. So there'll be a red lentil curry, a chickpea curry, and a spinachy cheese curry. My wife also works here.
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) and We met working at the Augusta National before I went and did the last leg of the Ed Sheeran tour. We moved out to the Broadmoor and then we moved here. She makes a really good jeweled jasmine rice and the jeweled rice has dates and pumpkin seeds and it has some raisins in it. That sounds so good. Really nice healthy mix that we have. We're going to display that next to the Curry Station. And then we're going to do a tandoori roasted chicken station. So there'll be somebody carving the chicken and taking it down and slicing it. The other stations, there's a uh, coconut grouper papiote papiote Papio is French for obviously wrapped in paper, but instead of paper, we're going to use some banana leaves. And that's just done in coconut milk, ginger, and lemongrass and wrapped and steamed really nice and lightly. That leans itself to being a nice, lighter presentation of fish, but also, you know, obviously with the Gulf of Mexico and where we're located, the grouper is very local, does not have to travel far at all. We're going to do that with some spiced sweet potato wedges,
1: Chef Nick, like when you sat down to do this, how long does it take you? Like, do you just think? Okay. how do you start to do something like this? So when we were at years
2: we just learned the other day that millennials are inherently more collaborative when they do stuff like this. So I always try to not be the kind of chef who just writes a bunch of material and then asks the people that work for me to cook it we like to sit down and kind of roundtable these for a few days and go through a few iterations just to make sure we're as on point as we possibly can be. And it's also a good learning experience for the sous chefs to be a little bit more involved in the menu writing that they typically would be at that stage in their career. We took about four or five days and we went through and we did probably about four iterations of the menu before we came up with something that we all really, really enjoyed and we felt we'd like to put out.
0: How many people do you work with?
2: This would be part of the banquet team, and the banquet team has a banquet chef and two sous chefs that sit underneath him. Then we have a main dining room team with the chef de cuisine, and he has two sous chefs under him. We have an executive sous chef. We have a beach club chef who has one sous chef underneath him. And then obviously Rob at the Pink Elephant has a sous chef underneath him. And in total, during season, it's about 57 line cooks. Wow. And then about 20 managers.
1: What is your favorite thing to cook?
2: I did Italian for a really long time. I've been in Florence, Italy for a little bit. And obviously, you know, with leaning on kind of the house I grew up in, I also ended up running the Italian restaurant for the Broadwell where I was out there. And so Italian is where, you know, I feel most comfortable, either Italian or I would say some of these like very traditional French techniques. But I always gravitate towards Italian when I'm put on the spot.
0: I wish people Love could Italian. see you right now because you're <laughs> behind you as you proudly have the Italian flag. So that makes a lot of sense. When you and your wife are home, do you guys cook up a lot? Is that like a fun
1: thing to do? <laughs> or is it take some time off and go eat at the inn?
2: It depends on the day for sure. We do do a lot of cooking at home. We're very health conscious. So we do a lot of like meal prepping and stuff like that. You know, we like to make our, we work a lot. We make our lunches and dinners ahead of time looms out.
1: Sometimes you just wake up and go, oh, that sounds really good. And then you want to run to the kitchen and make something. Or is it not like that as a chef? Is it like an artist, you know?
2: <laughs> we just purchased our first home down here and we've done a really good job kind of setting it up so that we can do that. Obviously, we've just gathered our, a ton of stuff over our time. And, you know, the wedding registry with both of us being chefs was a little bit different for sure. <laughs> We will do that. We will like kind of wake up and say, hey, what is this going to be like to cook? And we do a lot of kind of that research and development stuff at home before we'll, we'll bring it into here.
0: What do you see as some of the things that are trending in the food industry? Like when I look and read about food, I hear about mushrooms and different things. What is the latest and greatest in the food industry? I
2: think that everybody is moving towards their most Local and sustainable producer, and I think that one of the best examples of this, and it kind of translates throughout. But the best example of this right now, if you look at wines, and I uh, currently, uh, my wife and I just went, and her family's from Buffalo. We went up to Buffalo and we took a natural wine and pizza class, and we really enjoy the the natural wine. It's got a lower alcohol content, but naturally fermented, right, and not usually lacking sulfates and a lot of the other things. But there's a guy he has started to make natural wine up on the Finger Lakes in New York. It's more of that super regional production where things aren't necessarily like, you don't have to buy your favorite wine from Napa Valley and you don't have to buy, you know, from Italy or France or Spain. It's kind of there in your backyard and it might be just a little bit more because of all the things that don't have to be in it because it doesn't have travel very far. might make it a little bit nicer to drink for you. At least that's what we've found. But you'll see that across food, right? With Produce. The best example is when we were in Charleston. You know, that North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia area is so opulent with not just produce, but I think really creative people. And I think that you don't have to go very far to find a really nice local X, Y, and Z to bring into your establishment.
0: So you'll be doing all this for our event, but will this spill over into cooking for the guests at the resort at other times and have you sort of revamped the whole food program there?
2: a little bit. We just redid our banquet repertoire and there's a good amount of your event that we are using to kind of test out some of those other menu items. So it's definitely going to be a flagship for a lot of these recipes that we want to continue to reproduce.
1: Oh, it's so exciting. As Dora, I know told you this, that we're just so excited that you're part of our team, Chef Nick, because this is just such a Big part of the wellness foundation program, and to have you with your expertise, your enthusiasm, your creativity, it's just going to make this year even more awesome. Well, just, it's just going
2: to be very fun.
1: You promised a healthy recipe for us, so that we could make a dinner tonight.
2: I do a lot of, especially when we're meal prepping. I do a lot of like tabbouleh's or salads that are good to be served a little bit colder, maybe a little bit at room temp. But it's easy to throw a bunch of it together and hold on to it. And it's always super, at least energizing for lunch. It kind of picks you up for the rest of your day. We do uh, T-Law Tambouli. So we use, instead of what is normal Tambouli, which is bulgur, wheat, we use t And we will just blanch that lightly. And then we'll fold in all of the things that are usually in Tambouli, like a little bit of mint, your chods, your parsley. But then we'll fold in, you know, your cherry tomatoes, your cucumbers, usually a little bit of onion. We use that for a base of a lot of stuff that we do at home. My favorite thing to do with that is right when you might wanna start making a new batch of that, in the morning you can always take a few eggs and stir that into that mixture and kind of make a quinoa pancake out of it. It's very tasty.
0: At the end of the Foundations of Wellness event, what is it that you want people to to take away.
2: I would like people to just kind of take away that there's a lot of very simple things that you can do and find around to, you know, kind of fill those holes where I I think that the toughest part about eating well, and I'm sure that you guys know this, is that, you know, I think that it's challenging and it's expensive. The goal of some of this stuff, especially when you look at those cultures that aren't built on lavish ingredients and processes, it's built on yeast and things that are easy to grab and that aren't expensive, like when you look at a curry station. And I just want people to kind of look at it and say, hey, it's not really that tough to eat well on a regular basis
1: like you said, just learning how to do that and being exposed to it. And as you describe with the tabbouleh, okay, we can all get our quinoa. We could get our parsley. We can get our mint. We can get our chives, chop things up and have that there. So it's like making this effort and creating a habit, I think is what you're saying, which is hopefully we can all maybe be as good as you are sometime. <laughs> right, <Drew? laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> so true. This has been so much fun. Thank you for taking the time out to talk with us about you and about the Foundations of Wellness Retreat.
0: Yes, I think everyone's going to be thrilled and excited to come and taste your food and learn from you. So thank you, Chef Nick.
2: Thank you for coming down and letting us cut for you. And thank you for having me on the podcast.
1: Thank you for joining us on HealthGig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on HealthGigPod.com. I'm Trisha, And I'm Doro. Be well. Are you tired? B.B.N.R.'s chief medical officer peels back the onion on the question she gets asked most. Fatigue can really take away our ability to enjoy our lives. Learn how to boost your iron, B12 and D, ramp up your sleep cycles and keep depression, stress, and anxiety at bay with Tracy Freeman. Come on down on the beach on the Gasparilla Island in early November. This will be a great way to get educated and relaxed as you slide into the holiday season. Call 877-764-1420 or visit the Gasparilla Inn website at the dash ncom